Good morning. Good to see you. My name is Derry Long, and this is the first in a series of four uh, messages based on the country life songs we can relate to. And uh, so every every Sunday you're going to hear a country music song. Um, the uh, that that great promo that was done by Logan, our graphics guy from scratch. And I, I just terrific. And. Uh, Every, every week we'll be singing a country song by our worship band who literally can play or sing anything. Uh, I've just, over the years, it's just astounding. Uh, Marcy and I listen to a lot of kinds of music, but we like country music. We've been to uh, Carrie Underwood concert, Tim McGraw, Martina McBride, uh, kind of an all-star, Johnny Cash, George Strait, Merle Haggard, Loretta Lynn, Dolly Parton, Dave Dudley. What, Dave Dudley? Man, you've got to be my age to know who Dave Dudley is. But uh, anyway, our first, our first date uh, was a, a double date to the Harlem Globetrotters. Our second date was to see the Oak Ridge Boys in uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And uh, two, of those, two of the members of the Oak Ridge that were there that night are still there. They, they're in crutches now, but still there. Um, and uh, we've also seen Diamond Rio. And that's the song we're going to hear this morning. It was 700 fans post from your place to ours. Neither one of us was old enough to drive a car. Sometimes it was raining and sometimes it would shine. We wore out that gravel road between your house and mine. And I'd start walking your way, you'd start walking mine. We'd meet in the middle, meet that old Georgia pine. We came out of ground, and we'd both give a little. Seven years tomorrow Since we said our vows Under that old pine tree You ought to see it now Standing in the backyard Reminding me and you If 
we don't see eye to eye, there's something we can do. I'd start walking your way, you start walking mine. We meet in the middle, deep that old Georgia pine. We gain a lot of ground, cause we both give a little. So this is the first of four, and uh, this morning's topic is marriage, um, something that in- impacts a lot of us. For some of us, that's been a disappointing area, and uh, if that's true of you, listen in, because the things we're going to learn today will be applicable to almost any area of relationship in our life. Um, we're going to weave together this Diamond Rio song with uh, what a trip to Disneyland looks like, and uh, what it looks like for the children of Israel to come out of Egypt into the promised land. So, uh, now the reason Disneyland fits is because uh, when Marcy and I were married, our honeymoon was to Disneyland. That was 45 years ago. Uh, she was one of 11 kids, so you just don't hop in the car and say, hey, let's take a long trip. And uh, she grew up in Minnesota, had been to North Dakota, but, uh, you know, and I had been to, I grew up in North Dakota, so none of us got out much. We flew to L.A., student standby. I think, what was I thinking? Student standby, stayed at the Disneyland Hotel. Yeah, yeah. $34 a night. That's right. I, just to make sure, I checked last week, $449. So I, $34 a night, six nights, $204 for a six-night stay, which, is, which would get you four hours today. So uh, anyway, Disneyland was part of our world. And uh, in fact, I got some pictures here. Here's the first one. We were just there a couple weeks ago with our whole family. Here's Marcy and Natalie, our daughter, out in front of the uh, merry-go-round ride. I love that one. They'd traveled that day, but they were going to get in the park no matter what. So that's the Disneyland spirit. Uh, there's another one. That, well, this is Jungle Ride. We're all lined up. There, we have three kids, two daughters-in-law, four grandkids. Everybody's waiting to get on the boat. And then uh, one more. That's my favorite one here. Uh, you'll notice there are no, no other young adults. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, Grandpa and Grandma. And uh, the left is Camden sleeping. 
and then Katie sleeping. Now, they came from China for that trip, so they're a little groggy anyway. Uh, leaning over on the side with the dark hair is Stace, and he's leaning on Amelia, his sister. And uh, everybody else is in Star Tours, yeah, but, but us. So uh, now we're going to look at some scripture. <laughs> kind of segueing smoothly into the, uh, the Holy Writ. <laughs> and, uh, and we're going to look at uh, what God was promising the children of Israel. That he would bring them out of Egypt into a promised land. Let's look at this. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt. And go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land, for it's flowing with milk and honey. And in Deuteronomy, he says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. And all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything that you put your hand to do. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will Open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. Four stages in marriage. Stage one, you see it in these verses. Anticipation. Man, look at these verses. Wow, out of Egypt into the promised land, everything our hand touches will be blessed. You know, this is a message of euphoria. Misty-eyed glory just awaits us. And so we think about marriage and, uh, you know, we start dating. We talk, we talk about falling in love. There is no such thing as falling in love. The Bible says wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. So we actually, we see somebody a crowded room and across the crowded room and they catch our eye and we catch theirs. And hey, we, we kind of hook up. We got a date. And then we start investing time in them. Where your treasure is, their heart will be also. We start investing time in them. And then we start thinking about them and we invest mental energy. And then we go out on a date. And then we start spending money on them. And then we start spending money on them. And then we start <laughs> spending money on them. And then we... Then we go out some more, and then we start texting with each other, and then we're emailing one another, and we're furtively doing it when we're in class and out of class, and when we're with our friends, it's not really complete because he isn't here, she isn't here. And in an atmosphere like that, you could fall in love with a fence post, you know, you're just... And so there's this great sense of anticipation. Egypt felt it. The Bible says that God had given, after all the miracles that God gave Moses to the Pharaoh to let my people go, then the Bible says God gave the Israelites favor in the eyes of the Egyptians, and he told the Israelites, now before you head out to the promised land, ask to borrow a bunch of stuff from the Egyptians. So the Bible says the Israelites went around asking for dishware and pots and pans and gold and silver and, and the Egyptians were just giving them all this stuff. In fact, the, a verse of scripture says, and so they plundered the Egyptians. Now remember, these were slaves. And, and they were just, so they, they left Egypt with their, with their wagons full of stuff. 
And uh, this was going to be a great thing. And you know, you're getting ready for Disneyland and you start thinking about it and you start talking to your family about it and, uh, and it just gets exciting and start looking at the videos and then you talk to friends who have been there and then you start making your hotel reservations and it's got to be good now because you're looking at the price of stuff and you think, man, this has got to be like next door to heaven with, with these costs, and, but still, it's all going to be great. And so there's this great sense of anticipation and weddings where we're having showers and planning and buying flowers and it's all these arrangements and wow, isn't this going to be grand? And it is for a while. This is another stage in personal growth and their stage in, in uh, marriage and that is frustration. It's a funny thing about frustration. The children of Israel leave, the, leave Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. But they aren't out in Egypt, very, out, out in the wilderness very long on their way to the promised land before they start grumbling. And they virtually never do stop grumbling. Interestingly, one of the biggest things they grumble about isn't big things, it's little things. They grumble about the diet. They were always complaining to Moses about what they had to eat. And so God sends manna. And manna was kind of a bread. And then he got tired of manna. This uh, kind of a one horse, uh, one, one menu, you know, one item menu. And so he sent quail. And then they were complaining about water. And it was one menu item after another that irritated them. Funny how a thing so grand coming out of Egypt or even marriage can start deteriorating into when you get into a relationship there's, there's everybody has their strengths and so we often judge one another we judge, we judge other people's weaknesses out of our strengths plus our strengths blind us to other people what seems so easy and obvious to us isn't that easy and obvious to others they have things that are easy and obvious in other areas and then we we start facing into their weaknesses and we all bring our weaknesses in and says well i don't know you're just not very patient and you know he he wasn't, actually wasn't very patient when you were dating him but now it somehow just seems like the sand in the shoe and gets more and more and then everybody's got their own ways you know you got your little ways and I've got my ways and those little ways start bugging us my mom always liked to be early to everything her idea of on time was 15 minutes early my dad was a putterer and so 30 below zero North Dakota gonna head to church 18 miles into town and we're all in the car which is barely warming up by now and my dad's in the house. And for the thousandth time, my mom says, what in the world can that man be doing? <laughs> we could have said it for her because we knew the timing of it. We could tell by the steam rolling off. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll tell you what my dad was doing. He was going around from room to room, shutting uh, dresser drawers and turning out lights and making sure none of the faucets were leaking and clipping his fingernails. And, <laughs> and then he'd come out totally unruffled and sit, sit in the car and start driving you down as if nothing happened. You just multiply that once every week. 
twice a week, 100 times a year, 200 times now, and, 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 our, and our strengths and our weaknesses and our ways start frustrating and irritating. And, and you look at the frustration of Disneyland. Well, I often will just sit and watch the expressions of people in Disneyland because you can always tell the ones that are actually fighting. So you get into Disneyland and you think it's going to be great, except it turns out it's hotter than we thought it was going to be. So, man, this is hot. And uh, then you got... If you got extended family, everybody's got their own schedule. Like some are early starters. Hey, we want to get to that early magic hour at 7 o'clock. And others are slow starters. And there's eh, 9.30, we might get up. Think we'll have room service first. Uh, maybe take the kids down to the uh, water park at the hotel. And eh, about 1 o'clock, they're thinking about going over to the park. And, you know, by that time, the other families had 12 rides. And they're, they're, they're trying to hook up. And then our, the eating patterns are different. Somebody's trying to be frugal, you know, at Disneyland. And, and other people, they're, they're like, they're spending $9 and a quarter on a corn dog, slightly less than the gross national product of some countries. And, and they say, well, that, that's... And then they, the kids have to take naps, and then you get in line, and you get right up to it's your turn, and Pinocchio breaks down, which, which it did. Right up there. It was hot. Pinocchio broke down. What kind of heaven is this anyway? You know, and, and so, boy, it's easy. It's easy all of a sudden for these little things to start just festering and irritating and frustrating and the lines get long. We walk by Haunted Mansion. Of course, it's, you know, it's Halloween time. We walk by Haunted Mansion and the line was one hour and 45 minutes. I mean, one hour and 45 minutes. And the guy working for Disney had a sign that says, start, the line starts here. And he said, you're welcome to it. Like, just kind of like, you know, if you survive, good for you. <laughs> so, so you and I, we, we get to this place of frustration, irritation. And when that happens, we're at a crossroads. The marriage relationship there can be a, a number of small crises, but there's usually somewhere between the years 8 and 12 a big crisis, the kind where you've got to choose, do I, do I stay in this or not? In 8 to 12 years, typically, um, somebody's married, now they have some small children, the wife is tired all the time, the husband is still playing with toys, You know, you know, <laughs> there was a reason Jesus didn't start his ministry till 30. Men usually don't. You <laughs> All right, I'm not defaming the Almighty. I'm just, uh, listen, men usually are almost incapable of being present until they're 30 years old. So some of us should just be marrying a little later, I'm, th I'm telling you. So, you get to this crossroads and there's these frustrations that just start blotting out all the good. You wouldn't say there isn't any good, but it just seems this other stuff just seems so big and it gets increasingly insurmountable. And uh, Israel, 
Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 11 or verse 10 says there was no greater prophet in all of Israel throughout the entire Old Testament than Moses. But the children of Israel were so irritated they were looking for a new leader. They were looking for a new leader. And on top of that it says they were saying to each other we had we to go back to Egypt. This was a bad idea. We had to just we had to just go back to Egypt. So now you're now we're stuck. We got we got anticipation. Now we got frustration. But there's a third stage, and that is a stage of adaptation or adjustment. And there's three things about this about this stage. And you actually you find these things in Diamond Reel. Listen listen to this anticipation stage. It was 700 fence posts from your place to ours. Oh, he counted. You know. Isn't that? Then he sends a card. You know, you know, hon, it's 700 fence posts between us. Oh, he put it up on our bulletin board. Neither one of us was old enough to drive a car. Remember those days? Sometimes it was raining. Sometimes it would shine. We wore out that gravel road between your house and mine. This is just, this is just you know, if I had a hanky, I'd sneeze. I mean, it just, this is so good. But listen to this. Second verse. That if we don't see eye to eye, oh, creeping in the cracks here, there's, well, we don't see eye to eye. Somebody forgot how many fence posts there were. You know? <laughs> But now there's adaptation. We gain a lot of ground because we both give a little. Ain't no road too long. No English major here, but nevertheless. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no road too long when we meet in the middle. And you and I come to crossroads in our relationships. And then we have to choose. And there's three things I want, I want you to catch here. Number one is carrying in your spirit a spirit of release. Spiritual release is I, re- I release other people from my expectations. There's really only three things I'm going to work on. I haven't been up here for a while, so I get to, I just thought for my own sake I'm going to write on the board. None of you will be able to read it because of my penmanship, but still, I enjoy it. So there's, there's really only three things we work on. One is character. We'll abbreviate. No. <laughs> Number two is relate relationships. And number three is calling or life purpose. And, and, and that's all there is. And the only reason I abbreviate is because I'm 66, and so I'm trying to take, uh, pay attention to my age and not use up my time. Um, you... <laughs> You and I will work on character, relationships, and, and life purpose, and that's all we got to work on. That's what life's about. It's about those three things. And so you get to this crossroads, and your first instinct is to tell the other person how they really need to work on their character, relationships, and, and life purpose. You're married now. So your life purpose, and you know, and, and it's, you're messing it up because of you're not being patient, and and what, when you think, one of the things you find out, you know, I, I can only work on me. I can throw some hints in the direction of the other person, but I can only work on me. And so you start giving God access to character, 
your relational skills and your calling or life purpose. And that means, number two, change. One of the, one of the things about relationships is that, you know, you and I, like we live in Montana. Like, a lot of space between one another and a lot of flexibility because of that. But you know, some people don't, just don't seem to be able to, to, to reduce their footprint. You ever get on an airplane with 250 people? Suddenly there's a lot of people in a small space. And so some people intuitively are accommodating and other people are incapable of it. It looks like this. Now, one bag in the overhead, because now all of you people are carrying this stuff on because of the cost, and one under the seat. Well, they'll come in, one bag, two bags, three bags, big bags. I was just on a plane last week, that's exactly what happened. Three big bags. Now, once they're on, and they sit down, and people are lining up behind them like, uh, like bowling pins, uh, oh, they forgot something out of their bag. So they stand back up. Now the line's all the way out to the end of the concourse because they got to get, get something out of their bag that they could have gotten out of their bag before they sat down, but no. Now they, so now they're getting something out of their bag. Now I see all this because I usually get a ticket where I can get on early. <laughs> and so I watch this. Now they're getting something out of the bag. And then the person they're with has to go to the bathroom. So they go to the bathroom while people are still lining in now, once they're in the bathroom, now people are coming in and they actually got to work upstream to get back to, their, back to their seat. Now watch this stuff all the time. And I think, in some universe, this must make sense to somebody. <laughs> but it is an example of someone who cannot reduce their footprint. When the, when the situation requires it, they, they just can't change. They just... They just got to have the big space and the big expression because it's the only thing that works. In marriage, you only increase your life by reducing your footprint. As two people come together and become one, and then the one begins to expand. And so I have to release others from my expectations and I have to be willing to change. And here's, here's uh, today, if I was talking to someone, I'd say, uh, here's three things you should pay attention to when you get in marriage and things, the things that change and don't change and we have to uh, adapt to one another. And the one is temperament. You and I all have a temperament. For example, some of us are introverts and some of us are extroverts. I'm an introvert. Like, a few weeks ago, I, I went to London, and I spent the first week in London all by myself going to antiquarian bookshops, which I wouldn't work, wish on my best friend or worst enemy, but I love it. And so for a week, I was by myself because I wanted to be by myself. <laughs> so I'm an introvert. I married... An extrovert. And uh, then you got, you got people who are doers. And uh, you got people who are lovers. And the doers, they, they love to be doing. They, they just, 
When I'm by myself, I'm filling my tank. When my wife is with other people, she's filling her tank. When she's doing, it's great. If she's doing something with others, it's greater. And if doing something with others is greater, then doing something with more than just others is greater yet. And so what, ter- what started as a Disneyland trip for two became four, six, eight, nine, eleven. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> So, and the lovers, they're just bubbly. They just like people and they're just bubbly. They're just, they just percolate all the time. And you know what the lovers do? The lovers marry the plotters. And the plot, I don't know how to spell plotters, so. People, the plotters, like there's no mountaintop and there's no valley. They're the people that keep, keep the earth sane. They're like this. And so the lover marries the plotter and tries to get the plotter to be bubbly. The, the plotter doesn't want to percolate. They're not designed to percolate. They, they're, you know. And then there's the creative. That's a fourth kind. The creative people. They see a world nobody else sees. <laughs> and they don't see the world all of us can see. <laughs> and so you, you put... How do you champion other people? Their traits. You know, I'm going to be an introvert till I die. You can shave some of the edges off. I like spending time with people now like I didn't before, but I'm going to die an introvert because I was born an introvert. That's part of my DNA. The second thing, we need to look at baggage. Baggage is the debris in our life that comes as a result of sin and being sinned against. For example, if I grew up in a home where a primary parent could never express love, for some of the children in that home, it would have no impact at all, and for others, it would deeply scar them. If I grew up in a home where one of the highest values was image, and so there was this always this stain on my sense of self-esteem... Now, I'll tell you why this matters in marriage, because if I grew up in a home where my primary parents simply could not express love, and I took it to heart, I'll marry someone, and they could express love to me a hundred times a day, and it will be a black hole, and it will never make any difference about how I feel. It is my baggage that causes me to ask marriage to do more than it can do. Marriage cannot fill the black holes in our life. The person I'm with cannot fill the black holes of my life. Then I'd ask one other question. Is my family of origin detached or enmeshed? Detached means means I've got a son and somebody says, how's he doing? I said, ah, great. I said, oh, when did you see him last? Ah, A couple years ago. They're like very detached. They're just disconnected from each other, and that's fine. They they just do fine. Emeshed means I'm driving to Billings, and between Livingston and Big Timber, a family member calls me three times to see how it's going. (laughs) Now, I know families who are both. I know a farmer in in eastern Montana who had a small herd of pigs that got out, and uh, they were gone for two or three days, and somebody said, had he found them? And he says, no, 
He says, are you going to go look? She says, no, they'll, they'll come back. Well, their whole family's like that. I know another family who can't, who can't get to Billings without talking to a family member four or five times. This is just... So these things impact how I function. And I would, I would ask somebody to respond this way. Number one, be ruthless with toxic behavior in your life. Be ruthless with toxic behavior in your life. We, we're fond of saying things like, ah, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm just too patient. I got to work on that, which means I'm never going to work on that. <laughs> because we don't own our toxic behavior until we name it and make a list of how it's damaging other people. And you own it. You name it. You name, I have a vile temper. I am careless with other people. I am indifferent to the opinion of others. And then you make a list of how it's damaging. It changes how you look at that thing. There's no more cute little, ah, I got to work on that. Number two, confess it. You bring it up to the surface. The Bible says, not just to God. That's, that's, that's nice. Now I told God. God, isn't God going to tell anybody? Oh, no, I, I don't think so. I'm good. But God doesn't say that. He says, confess your faults and your sins one to another. Oh. Because God knows that Satan has the authority as long as you keep it a secret. And you start surfacing it into the material world, it changes the authority around something in our life. And the third is let God add it. Don't become a personal fix-it machine. Let God add it. So you have release, personal change, and collaboration. So we can go from anticipation and expectation to frustration to adaptation which opens the door for realistic fulfillment. The children of Israel made it into the promised land, but, but folks, 11, they were 11 days out of the promised land at Kadesh Barnea. And God said, all right, now's the time. And they said, nope. Not, we're not, we're not, I'm not actually going to work on that right now. 38 years later they wandered in the wilderness and came back to Kadesh Barnea and God says how about now? some of us we've wandered needlessly wandered in the shipwreck of disappointing relationships and God had resources 38 years back to Kadesh Barnea how about now I'm not intuitively it's not intuitively easy for me to navigate relationships I have uh, I can't come up with as difficult as this may sound to you I'm standing up here talking to five or six hundred people if I'm having a conversation with one person I often have trouble thinking of anything to say 
once I get past the weather, the antlers on the wall, and the size of your, uh, uh, of your, your cowboy belt. I once told one guy, I finished, and I said, well, I don't know, I got, I got nothing. I, I just walked away. I, I can't. I tell you that to tell you, if I can change, you can change. Because the sweetest picture up there for me of Disneyland, that's me and my wife sitting with four sleeping grandchildren. That is as sweet to me as anything that's happened in my life. I hope when they put up all those pictures when I'm dead and they put up that table and they got all these pictures, I want that to be one of the pictures. That was one of the highlights of my life. It happened two weeks ago. And that's only because I let God in to arenas in my life I couldn't change on my own. And you and I can go in marriage or in another relationship, from anticipation to frustration to adaptation to fulfillment, if we let God in. Well, let's bow our heads and we're all done this morning. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And I think the message I want us to leave with is start with God. Start with God. With our heads bowed. You can do that. You can make that decision today. Maybe in some relationship you're at a crossroads. Don't start with the crossroads. Start with God. He wants to collaborate with you. You can say, Lord, I've been going it on my own. I've been trying to, I poured all this energy in. I've been trying to fix things on my own, make everything right on my own. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for doing this on my own. You can express that right now. We'll wait. If that's how you feel in your heart. You can ask the Lord to forgive you. That's what mercy is about. You say, Lord, I am sorry. Forgive me. Would you forgive me right now, this morning? Would you forgive me for doing this on my own? trying to make life happen on my own relationships happen on my own would you just forgive me the Bible says behold I stand at the door and knock if anyone hear my voice and open the door I will come in and right now you can say Lord I've declared to you I need you I've asked you to forgive me. Would you come into my heart? Right now, right now where I'm sitting in this auditorium, will you come into my heart? I am opening the door of my heart to you. I don't want to go another day in my own strength. I want the life that you promised Israel. Ask him for that right now. Lord, thank you. You are gracious to us and merciful trying to get through life and we want this to work and so often with the best of intentions we produce 
very poor results. Thank you for your offer of life. For all these who've raised their hands this morning, send grace. Confirm in their heart the decision they've made, that you are honored by it, and that you'll honor them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.